Welcome back to another episode of Voice of the Generation. I am your host, Imani, and joined with me today, I have... Hi, guys. I'm, I'm, my name is Darren. Uh, Darren Rainey, Darren Rainey Sr. Uh, I am, you know, a lifelong, lifelong learner, educator. It's a student of life. Uh, that's what I call myself. Um, you know, we get into the official titles. I do, I do some official things. I work at, uh, you know, uh, Delaware State University. Um, I have the, the distinct honor of leading uh, the work here at the university to rebuild the black teacher pipeline. I, uh, I teach here as well, um, both in the undergrad and graduate um, schools and, you know, do a whole bunch of other things uh, on the day-to-day. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that's largely who I am. I'm a husband, father of two, uh, Brother, son, just a, I'm just a black man, mm-hmm. just a black man, black man in America, black man in this world. So you said your job essentially is to recruit and retain um, diverse teachers, right? Yes. So why are we even having this conversation right now? Like, what's the need to talk about, you know, black educators? Um, why are they leaving the field and how are you helping us? Why are they leaving the field? I think before we can talk about why, like. Black educators are leaving the field and why they make up such a small percentage, right? 7% um, of the teaching population. Um, 1.3%, it actually went down. 1.3% of if you're a black man, right? Black men only make up 1.3% of the teaching population. And um, like we, we have to have an honest conversation. That that's not by accident. Um, that's by design. Uh, you know, historically, we know that uh, prior to Brown versus Board of Education, right? Like there were. Uh, two systems of education in this country. It was a black system and it was a white system. You know, with the uh, Brown versus Board ruling that integrated those two systems uh, with the refusal to integrate our teachers. Um, so when we look at the small population of black teachers, um, it is largely because through policy um, and practice, uh, w- the white society kicked black teachers out of the profession. And that's just to say that plainly and clearly. Uh, and we've been working and are working to rebuild uh, that 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 pipeline, uh, which education. And it's funny. I, I literally just taught a class today. Um, public education doesn't exist without black people, right? Like mm-hmm. black people are black. One, if you go back, one, if you go back to the history of of African civilizations, right? Like we black people, like all life started on Africa, right? Africans, um, and the first schools, universities, right, were created by black people. Uh, fast forward to um, United States, right? The first thing that uh, emancipated Africans did after freeing themselves from slavery was to uh, create public schools, free public schools, right? Uh, uh, and and they did that very, very, you know, under under the threat of violence and. A lot of a lot of craziness that were growing that was going on during that time, but um, you know they 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 established a system of education where they taught black and brown children what they needed in order to survive and, and thrive in this world. Um, and after Brown versus Board, right, that that system was kind of, uh, in a sense, destroyed almost if you think about it, right? Um, and and we're trying to rebuild that system. We're trying to rebuild 
rebuild that pipeline of black educators who have that that um, connection to the black teaching tradition um, and to uh, get teachers in the classroom who look like the students who are in the classroom and, and reflect their experience and reflect their culture. Why do we often have the conversation of like, we need to retain black educators and not the conversation of like, what are we doing to essentially push out black educators? I think that's a really good question. So, and just so I make sure I'm understanding this correctly, mm-hmm. like, the question you're asking is like, how does the system push educators out and why aren't we having the system about the structures that push them out as opposed to like having these conversations about yes keeping them in the system mm-hmm. right um i think we have to have an honest conversation about what the values and goals of the system is it's not to educate black and brown children that's not what the education system exists to do yeah right <laughs> so it you know it's it's tough and it, it can be tough for a black educator to step into a system that they know is not educating black and brown children. And and then, you know, if if they don't have the um, the wherewithal or knowledge to be able to navigate that system and um, then it, it ultimately it can create this sense. And I, I speak of this. I speak of this from my own experience. Right. Like it can create a, a sense of like failure on my part. Right. Like I'm I'm failing. Right. <laughs> Uh, and no one, no one, even though f- like failure can be, it's a necessary to, to grow, but like no one likes to fail or yeah. feel like a failure. Right. Um, and then the other aspect of that is the system wasn't designed for black students and it wasn't designed for black teachers. Right. Mm-hmm. So then you're, you're in a system where you feel like you don't belong. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, so not only do I feel like I'm failing, but I also don't feel like I'm belo- I belong here. Mm-hmm. Right. And because of the, um, the low population of African-American teachers, I don't also don't see anybody else who looks like me. It's crazy. Right? So a black educator is dealing with all of that. And on top of that, I also got to deal with these white people who have microaggressions, mm-hmm. who give me microaggressions, right? Uh, or don't look at me as intelligent or don't value my my input and, and, and opinion, mm-hmm. right? Um, or, you know, operate in this, sh- this system and structure that is largely rooted um, in white, white supremacy and anti-blackness, right? So how that's that's how the system pushes black teachers out and it's again i say it it's not that's not by accident right like Mm -hmm. that's by design when we look at leslie fenwick talks about this in her her book um jim crow's pink slip right uh leslie fenwick is a uh, an amazing educator down at howard university um and she she chronicles the history of brown versus board of education and, and the impact that it had on the black teacher pipeline but you know, these systems were intentionally designed to root out black teachers, right? Uh, because white families didn't want black teachers teaching their children, right? Um, there's a there's a quote in the book, and I'm going to read it so I don't butcher it, right? Um, if I could find it. It was quite all right to have black principals for black kids and black schools, but if schools were to become centers of education, um, of all children, regardless of race, naturally, whites should be in charge, right? And that's from the National Association of Secondary School Principals um, in 1971. 1971, my mom was one years old. So this isn't ancient history. It's not, yeah. This is not ancient history. This is this is current. Like, this is today. Mm-hmm. Um, and that ideology still exists. Uh, that, that way of thinking um, still exists largely um, in the United States today. I think that what 
disturbs me is like we talk about like recruiting and retaining black educators, but we don't often talk about the the lived experiences of our black youth in the classroom. Like if I don't if I don't feel like my voice is valued, understood, heard, like anybody's trying to even see me. Like how do you? Why would like Chris Evans said it perfectly? Why would I come back to the crime? Scene? Why would you come back to the if if, if you? Why would you come back to the senior crime? Chris, yes. I mean, Chris, Chris Evans puts it perfectly, right? Like, and I think, uh, and I was I was reading uh, Bettina Love's book, uh, Punished for Dreaming, uh, and she she kind of adds on to that, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, why would a student like any any student who uh, can think critically? And look at the education system and look at what's happening to, to teachers um, mm-hmm. and consider their own experience. Like, why would I try to, why would I want to do this? Right? Like, yeah. you have to really ask yourself that question. And I think that's a very, that's why I, I tell educators, at least all, one of the first things that I ask the the young pre-service teachers that I teach is like, why are you here? Mm-hmm. And let's, let's re- I want you, because I really want you to understand, like, why you want to do this. And what it is that you're actually about to undertake, because it, it, I tell people all the time, teaching is the best job I have ever had in my life. Mm-hmm. I love it. You're going to have to drag me kicking and screaming out of a classroom. <laughs> but it's the hardest job that I've ever had in my life. Um, and I, I say that as a, a military veteran who's, the, who's you know, been around the world a few times, right? Like, teaching is the hardest job I've, I've ever had, but it's the best job. Um, and... It's important for you know pre-service educators to understand like what it is that you're you're getting into and like why you really are here and what you're here to do um, mm-hmm. because it's it's intellectual warfare every day right and you got to be ready to go to battle um, mm-hmm. for our for our, our you know our, our black and brown babies and, and all and all other babies right mm-hmm. um, be and be their their advocate and, and help you know. Um, help empower them to use their voice uh, because there are, there are a great deal of people who want to keep them silenced. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so it's, it's going back to your like original question. <laughs> like it's something that we really got to consider. Like how are we, if we want black and brown teachers, if we want black and brown students to become teachers, yeah. Like we really have to have an honest, honest conversation of the experience that we're providing them mm-hmm. as students. Yeah. I can say that, like, I, I've experienced, like, two sides. So, like, one side that's, like, burning, like, I got to I gotta get an education. But there's also another side of me. It's like this. I'm so exhausted as a student. I can only imagine what being an adult is going to feel like when I have kids in my classroom. Like, it feels taxing. But I feel like people aren't talking about the invisible tax that, comes along with being a teacher has there ever been a time in your life where you're like I don't know that I can continue to do this like this or or how do you set the boundaries so it doesn't feel like that yeah um I've had I've I've had moments where I'm like yo what why am I what am I doing <laughs> yeah. why am I doing this to myself uh because it, there isn't a visible tax right like one just being a being a uh a, a black teacher um, and more specifically being a black male teacher, right? Like mm-hmm. in a school, um, <clears throat> I'm the unicorn, right? Yeah. So naturally, um, children gravitate to black and brown students gravitate to the black right. brown teacher, right? Um, and you, because you were able to build 
relationships with students and you, you know, the black educators tend to have, you know, uh, really great classroom cultures mm -hmm. and their students often are vibing. And even the data shows that black teachers have higher rates of achievement and know how to get their students, um, you know, to demonstrate mastery of whatever skills it is that they're teaching, the skills mm -hmm. and the content, right? Like you're asked to do more. That's like the, yeah. that tends to be the, 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 the kind of the, um, the theme here, uh, mm -hmm. when you do a good job, we give you more work, right? <laughs> yes. Um, and after a while, there's only so much uh, a, a teacher, a person, a human being. There's only, only so much that you can hold, mm -hmm. right? Um, and then you add some of those things that we talked about earlier, right? The feeling of being isolated, the feeling of not belonging, the mm -hmm. feeling of, you know, having to, having to navigate, right, like uh, – a, a white supremacist structure, um, yeah. it, it becomes too much for one to hold by themselves, mm -hmm. right? Um, so I think one of the things that I like that I have, and I'm I'm blessed that I that I was able to kind of find this was community. Um, is is very important, incredibly important for Black educators, for Black and Brown educators, educators of color to find community, right? Um, you have to have somewhere where you can go and talk to people who have a similar experience and, uh, you know, share all of your gripes and all of the, you know, um, you know, get your venting out. Um, you have to have community because you, you cannot do this by yourself, right? And then sometimes that community is not in your school building. Sometimes you got to go looking elsewhere. And that's, that was, you know, I was lucky to have community in my school building um, when I was in the K-12 space and I was I was lucky to have community outside of my school building. And, you know, the good thing is that there are a lot of communities that are being created and, 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 and being cultivated at this time that, that, you know, educators of color, black and brown educators can find uh, mm -hmm. that will help sustain them in work. But that was the that's the one thing uh, that I think has sustained me. Um, and then the other thing is really just finding boundaries. And when I say boundaries, like knowing when and being okay with saying no yeah sometimes you gotta say hell it's no. a struggle right? like, you gotta <laughs> yeah. you gotta be able you gotta be able to say no because somebody always my, my my wife says this all the time right it's like there's always gonna be more work mm -hmm. right you no matter how hard you work there's always gonna be more yeah. right so you like someone's always gonna bring you more work mm -hmm. um but you have to know what your capacity is uh, we have to understand what our capacity is and know when to say no and know that it's okay to say no mm -hmm. and that you're not any less of a teacher or a great person because you said because no. you said no yep. right because if you have nothing in you how can you pour in to another person like right. if you're drained you can't pour anything into a child right so you gotta you gotta know when to say no uh, you gotta find your community and you gotta be you gotta find those things to help refill your cup because mm -hmm. you're constantly pouring you have to take time to pour into yourself so that you can continue pouring into others as a um, as an educator so i found this article and it said um by 2030 countries must recruit a total of 68.8 million teachers crazy Ra outrageous crazy. number and 2030 ain't that far away no that's so. like seven that's seven years away right <laughs> look like i got some work to do right um yeah, we got some work to do. <laughs> we got some serious work to do. But why isn't anybody talking about like the um I don't remember the statistic off the top of my head, right? But we know that HBCUs are producing, right? 
50% of black teachers Thank come from you. HBCUs. And so why aren't, and I'm not dissing my HBCU because I, I love my HBCU, mm -hmm. but why is it that my STEM, my STEM friends are getting money to go and learn STEM, but I, an educator, mm. <laughs> what you need in this world, am only getting $250 mm. to support me on my journey. Like, mm. I don't want to be out of debt by the time I get out here. Like, I'm going to be paying in my grave if I don't, you know. That's real. But That's... nobody's talking about the support um, financially for HBCU students, right? Mm -hmm. But then, like you said, the work always multiplies and the ask gets bigger, but the money, yeah, it stays the same. I think <clears throat> one, one of the things you got to consider... Particularly when we talk about HBCUs, we like and this just this was just like two weeks, like a week ago or something, when Biden said how many billions and billions of dollars HBCUs mm -hmm. have been underfunded. Yeah. Like that's one aspect. And we, we gotta remember, like when HBCUs started, so I, I love my HBCUs too. I'm a Hampton grad, so you know, HU, the real HU. Um <laughs> <clears throat> uh, but I'm also, you know, I'm a DSU student now and yeah. I work here as well. So, mm -hmm. you know, state. Um <laughs> Do both. I, look, I, I'm a living down at HBCU, but <laughs> but I can also be critical at HBCUs yeah. as well. Um, you know, uh, we started off developing teachers, right? Now, granted, the the, the founders and those people who came and established HBCUs, like your Samuel Chapman Armstrongs and those, they had some really contentious views of uh, not even contentious, kind of wild views of of black people and and the type of education that black people should receive mm -hmm. and like how, what type of education these black teachers should be providing to uh the future black students but at the end of the day like hbcus started as kind of you know industrial and teaching teaching teacher colleges right um so like when we look at our our legacy is in developing black teachers and we've done a damn good job developing some of the highest um credentialed master teachers uh like you look at uh um you know, Anna Julia Cooper, um, Carter G. Woodson, right? Um, the boys, right? Like, they all um, were educators, right? Um, and a lot of our notable king, right? Went to Morehouse, mm -hmm. right? Like, these are, t they, they're, they're not t teachers in the traditional sense, but they're right. teachers, right? They mm -hmm. taught us, they teach us, right? Like, our, our the, the best master teachers in the, the the black community and you know they 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 came from um hbcus um but we we have to also be honest in that like more broadly like the system doesn't hasn't hasn't valued hbcus uh and and more largely the united states doesn't value education like <laughs> let's let's be let's real, be real. <laughs> like the united states yeah. does not value education it says it does but it doesn't we do not, as a country, we do not value education because what you you what you value, you invest in, right? What you value, you invest in. Uh, and if we look at, at education, in the United States, the United States is not invested in education. Um, and and when we think about the history of education, right, and what it was actually like the the, the system, what it was designed to do, it was designed to produce laborers, right? So um, not only do we not like really value. Uh, highly literate population mm -hmm. um we actually it's not in the best interest of the united states uh economically right in a capitalist system to have a highly literate population 
right? So like, let's be real. Let's call the thing the thing. Yeah. And and be honest that like we can't expect um the United States government to uh resource uh education the way it needs to unless we fight for it and demand it. Right? So if we're talking we if we're trying to we're we're trying to make sure that education is, is equitably resourced, equitably funded, HBCUs are equitably funded. Like we have to demand it. Um, we've seen some of that recently. Like mm-hmm. Dr. Allen was just up at the White House mm-hmm. uh, getting them coins, right, yes. from, from from Biden. But our HBCU presidents can't be the only ones that's demanding our coin, right? Like mm-hmm. we all have to be demanding our coin from the United States government because the United States government owes all of us quite a bit of coin. How, do, how does an HBCU student right now advocate for getting more funding for our schools? I think one of the, the so two ways, right? Um, well, not even two ways. It's, it's a couple ways. One, like you, we ha- you have to become knowledgeable, right? Like you, you, you have to engage in a study of the system, right? Like it, it really m- makes no difference if you're like advocating for funding if you don't even really know understand why you're advocating for funding like why like you know what I'm saying oh, and like understand historically what funding where that funding has gone and what that funding has done and the, mm-hmm. the implications of policy and um, funding so like we really we I think I make the argument that all of us because education impacts all of us and, mm-hmm. and all of us need to become very knowledgeable about the education system. Um, the values that undergird this education system, um, the, the policies that have, um, you know, served and, and created the structure of the education system, um, how funding even works in education, right? Uh, the 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 way school boards operate and the power that a school board and a superintendent has. Oh, we need to talk about that on another right? episode. Um, <laughs> state legislators and yes. like. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so one, become knowledgeable, and then the, the next step, right? Like we we then we we start to take action. So how are we engaging our local leaders, our state leaders, um, and holding them accountable? Right? Uh, are we showing up to school board meetings? Um, are we showing up to give public comment at legislative hearings? Are we writing our legislative uh, leaders? Right? Um, are we showing up to their office and demanding that they fund? Mm-hmm. Uh, education and, 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 and uh, you know, equitably, right? Um, how are we, like, you're, we're not, it's not going to be given to us. We got to take it. And we take it by going and, and exercising our right um, as American citizens to uh, speak and to be heard. Like, that's our First Amendment right is freedom of speech. We, we have the right to speak. And we also have the right to demand that our elected representatives who are there to represent our interests, right, do what we sent them there to do. Mm-hmm. Now, the other part of that is you actually got to vote. For <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, that's that's part of it. You actually got that. You actually got And you got to know who that representative mm-hmm. is because, you know what I'm saying? I, but I tell you, all skin folk ain't kin folk. So just because mm-hmm. you vote for a black face don't mean you got somebody that's in there that's representing black interests. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, we, we got to be very, like, intentional about who we put in the office and, mm-hmm. and how they actually represent what it is that we as a community need. Yep. And then we got to hold them accountable because voting isn't the end. Like mm-hmm. once we vote, then we got, how do we hold them accountable? How do we, yeah. Hey, you said you was going to do this. Well, I see follow through. Yeah. 
know what I'm saying? Yeah. Joe Biden, you said you was going to relieve student loan debt, but I still got it. <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> Uncle Joe, please help me out. I'm confused. <laughs> why do I still have student loan debt? I think a large part of like why my peers don't want to come into education is like, right, one, their experiences, but I don't think that... Sometimes I feel like the classroom can almost feel like jail in a sense, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's not nobody's tell, encouraging me to use my creativity, right? You you take away critical thinking, right? As as a young child, you tell me to stop questioning why, mm. and then you make me train on critical thinking. Like what? That doesn't make any sense. But why are we leaving? And this has always been like my my debate in education. We we can talk about Piaget and all and Eric Erickson and everybody else, but we always leave the black theorists out of the conversation, right? So why are we excluding the Carter G. Woodsons, the Angela Davis, the Audre Lords, and so many others from the conversation if we're talking about liberation? Because <laughs> they don't want us to be free. <laughs> like, come on now. Like we know the answer to this. Why are we talking about it? Because they because that's not what that's not what they want, right? Like mm-hmm. I, we talk about, let's go back. All the way back to anti-literacy laws, right? During, during slavery, right? Like after the Stono Rebellion, right? When all, all those uh, enslaved Africans rose up and, and killed their masters, right? The first thing that the the white colonists, the, the colonists went and did was they implemented anti-literacy laws. It is illegal to teach black and brown people enslaved Africans to read and write mm-hmm. because the fear is that if you are literate and you can read and write, you can communicate with each other via the written word and sow your freedom, which fast forward to the Civil War, we did, right? <laughs> you get black, uh, you know, uh, black and brown people who are running away to the North, getting an education, coming back and teaching underground schools, right? Uh, and they, they, t- you know, Civil War soldiers who are out there and they are, you know, uh, learning how to read and write and then going back and teaching others how to read and write. And you get a, a population that secures its own freedom by fighting against the system that has enslaved them for years. Right. And then, like I said, the first thing they do is they go and create schools. Right. So we're talking about like why that that happens is because that's not in the best interest of the United States. <laughs> Let's be, it's, it's as uh, you know, uh, and and more specifically, the it's not in the best economic interest mm-hmm. of the United States, right? Um, and they say it is all the time. Like we have, we give a lot of lip service to, uh, you know, we we want a highly educated population so we can compete compete with the world and all this stuff. But mm-hmm. where's the action, <laughs> right? Um, what which what what we what this country and it's it's written plain in paper. What this country wants is a a docile labor force, right? Um, that's what that's what they want because that's what's in the best the economic interest of you know those who have you know great great large sums of of money, mm-hmm. right? Like your Elon Musk and your um, <laughs> you know Jeff Bezos, right? So I, yeah. I need I need people to work. I need Amazon drivers. I don't need you to be a critical thinker. You don't need to be critically think to drive an Amazon right. truck, right? You just need to do what you're told. Mm-hmm. Get in the car, drive, go drop that package off, come back to the and shift when your shift work. is up come back do the same thing the next day mm-hmm. right i don't need you to create things cuz if you if you can create things you can create stuff and now you're my competition i don't need competition mm-hmm. i need people who don't want to compete with me you know what i'm saying we 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 talk all the time particularly about like in, in capitalism it's like competition is good but the reality is that that the people at the top they don't want competition mm-hmm. so 
they 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 largely influence the education system that keeps students in society kind of in the status quo. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know what we get is a I can't remember who wrote this this in an article so I, I read this in the article social and economic reproduction um, what's the name of that article school for servitude it's called school for servitude I can't remember who the authors are um, it, it it talks about the African colonial education system in South Africa in the early, mm. early late 1800s and, and 19 and early 1900s but like that this idea of social and economic reproduction that is what our, our education system is designed to do to reproduce the same social conditions and reproduce the same economic conditions that keeps black people largely um, at the bottom and a small percentage having and owning the mass majority of wealth and not even black people at the bottom because mm-hmm. white people are at the bottom too they just don't realize it. Yeah. Uh, you know, but they're right down. They're like, I mean, we're, we're at the bottom, but they're like, they're only, like not too far behind. It's like, <laughs> literally, I can reach up and grab you too. All right. Like, hey, you know what I'm saying? So we're, we're sitting here fighting for the, the, the 2% of the wealth while a thousand people own the other 98%. We fight mm-hmm. with each other. Right. Um, and that's largely, that's largely been so, not largely, well, like part of that has been sown through our, our that's been maintained through our education system. Mm-hmm. I feel like what we've been talking about, um, like the only answer is to like disrupt the education system. So like, can you tell me what that, what that statement means to you? Like, what does it mean to disrupt the education system? But how do we also get results? I'm not even concerned with disrupting the education <laughs> system anymore. I'm be honest okay. with you. I, I'm here to create something new. Like we, we have to create, we have to create something new. We have to imagine something new. We have to imagine something that's better than this, right? Like, if if this was any other business, well, actually, I take that back because the failing failing education system is profitable. So I, I will say a lot of people make money off of it, right? Mm-hmm. So part the reason why it it continues to exist in the way it does is because a lot of people are getting rich off of black and brown people failing. Just like with anything, a lot a lot of people are making a lot of money, all right, mm-hmm. off of off of. Black and brown students failing. Um, and it's in their interest, it's in their best interest economically to keep things the same. Right? So I'm not I'm not concerned with disrupting that. I'm concerned with how do we create new systems. Mm. Right? We did it before. Like we did it before. We 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 got we freed ourselves from slavery, created Public schools, we got to do the same thing again. But we we need a larger mass of people, which is why I'm in this work of recruiting black and brown teachers because we need we need black teachers who are going to be about that work of building something new, mm-hmm. right? And that's what we that's what we need to do. Uh, you know, uh, I, I'm I, I sit and I battle with this thing. We talk about like disrupt the system. Reform mm-hmm. is out of the question. Reform is not. We cannot reform this system. It cannot be reformed. It, you cannot make an evil system better. It just doesn't work. Like it doesn't. How do you like? How do you take a system whose at its foundational core is rooted in you know just violence, oppression, uh, hatred, anti-blackness, white supremacy, and make it better? You don't. You don't. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like you can't make that better. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's like, we, yeah. hey, if we put a bow on this white supremacist system, like it'll look better. No, you can't let that go. And we got to create something new. Mm-hmm. And it needs to be rooted in uh, in love. It needs to be rooted in justice. It needs to be rooted in truth. It needs mm-hmm. to be rooted in equity. And those are the foundational principles that w- with which we need to build something new. Um, and we need people who who have those same ideals to come and help build it, right? So, like, yeah. when we're talking about why people should become black teachers, if you want to build something new, let's go. <laughs> Join the movement because that's – that's that this – this system don't it's, it don't work for us, so we gotta leave it. Mm-hmm. You know, and we gotta we gotta create something new, something better, something that does work for everybody, not just a few people. How can current school leadership support uh, black teachers right now? Make sure that they're getting the development that they need. They're being adequately developed, right? Um, listen to them. <laughs> Wait, can we take, right, a pause take a back? Let's right go back. There. Let's go back. Let's go back. Yes. Actually, I take that back. Before we even get into development, listen to them. Yes. What do you need? Ask them what they need and then listen, hear them, right? And then implement what they say they need, right? Like you stop trying to tell black teachers what they need. Listen to them, right? They are at the, they are black. Educators are at the the ground. They're like they're on the front line of 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 taking care um, and teaching our students. Listen to them, right? Oftentimes, a lot of educational policy, a lot of decisions are made without an educator in the room and without a student in the room. Mm-hmm. How are you making decisions for two groups of people without having them in the room? Who the hell are you, right? Like, how do you, yeah. like, well, let's talk about, like, paternalism and uh, obviously a patriarchal system. Mm-hmm. I know what you need best. Here, well, this is what we're going to do. And I never ask you what you need. I just tell you what you need. And Sick. then we go forward and implement it. That's what we do. That's what that's what this system does. It tells students and teachers what they need and then wonders why everything is <laughs> ape shit, right? Like, it's ridiculous but yeah that's that's the number one thing listening to black teachers listen listen to black teachers right listen to like listen to the experts Mm -hmm. because we are the experts how you teach black children black (laughs) teachers are the experts of teaching black children listen to the listen to the experts Mm -hmm. so how can corporations fortune 500 companies well corporations and uh fortune 500 companies support Education, period. Run black people, I check. <laughs> what does that mean to you? <laughs> no, so <laughs> I'm serious. I'm joking, but I'm serious. Um, no, I think, so one, let's let's kind of unpack that. Like mm-hmm. when we talk about education and, and I, I think Bettina Love, Dr. Bettina Love does a phenomenal job of talk, kind of talking about the privatization of education um, in the United States. Uh, and then when you, you even look back uh, at something like the the Lake Mohawk Conference, the Lake Mohawk Conference. Like if you've never heard of it, look it up, right? It's where mm-hmm. all these uh, white business leaders, scholars, even the president of the United States came together for a, a ski trip in New York back in 1890 and 1891. And then they, they decided, they all talked, got together and figured out what black education should look like in the United States, right? And then they went and implemented it. And it wasn't a black face mm. at any, of course, well, no, 
wasn't nothing brown in that space, mm-hmm. probably except for the people who was cooking the food and, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, cleaning up, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I'm pretty sure they didn't ask them what they thought about mm-hmm. black education, right? right. So neat, you know what I'm saying? Like, and what they walked away with is that education, and this, this you know, Jacob Carruthers uh, talks about this in, um, you know, one of, one of his writings, he... Uh, says that essentially what they walked away with was a uh, education system that focused on uh, teaching black people the, you know, morality from a European lens uh, and the dignity of labor, right? (laughs) Uh, Working for white people. This is what we should teach black people how to do, right? Uh, And that model hasn't changed. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So I and, and and it continues like you know you got all these you know uh, entrepreneurial educators who are who are you know stepping in and uh, you know and I use entrepreneurial educator that comes from Dr. Patina Love um, who are creating schools that are failing yeah. right um, so my my personal opinion is for corporations to run us our check because. Dr. Love talks about this idea of educational reparations. And there's, mm-hmm. you know, it's part of that is repair the harm, to repair repairing the harm that's done. Part of that is the check. Run the check. Um, and then go yeah, away. Right. Like, go away. Run a check and then go away. <laughs> Run a check and let the experts, let black educators do what needs to be done. I always have a hard time with that. Like, how can you... Uh, how how do you want to know more about the space, but you don't want to let me be an expert of my own experience? Like, well, think about it, right? And I, you know, understand. Like, you is the, the philanthropy space is an interesting one. I'm I'm not too. I will say I'm like not super into the like philanthropy space and giving money, but mm-hmm. most people, right? It's two ways you give out money. <laughs> You give money and you know that you're never going to get it back, mm-hmm. right? Or you give money and you kind of want to make sure that what the person is doing with the money is what you want them. Yes. It's kind of like aligns with what you mm-hmm. think should happen with the money. Yeah, That's what philanthropy is, largely. Like, some people, there are some out there who will give the money and be like, do the right thing with it, right? Mm-hmm. I trust you. Mm-hmm. But a large group is like, hey, I'm going to give you this money. But, by the way, we want you to do it kind of like this way. Actually, can mm-hmm. we join the meeting Right. When I know we're gonna give you money, but we wanna sit at the table and help you think through <laughs> think through what to do with the yes. money, right? Instead of mm-hmm. being just given the money, right? Mm-hmm. So I like if for all you five hundred was it Fortune uh, 500. For, Fortune five I'm, I'm not a businessman. So all you Fortune five I'm an educator. Fortune five hundred <laughs> companies out there, if you're listening to this podcast, mm-hmm. which I hope you are, right? Because mm-hmm. you need to learn something. Mm-hmm. Give the money to the experts and walk away. And if you want to come back with another check, by all means, come drop the check off. But understand that you, I don't, I don't care what you got to say. You're mm-hmm. not the expert on black culture. You're not the expert on black communities. You're not the expert on how black people should achieve their liberation. Just if you want to support, support, give the money, and then let the people who are in the community do the work. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's real. So at the end of every episode, I always ask this question, but what does it mean to have a voice in this generation? Mm. What does it mean to have a voice in this generation? That's a that's a really great question. That wasn't on the list. I <laughs> so I didn't, pre- Sorry. I didn't prepare for this question. I didn't prep you for that one. <laughs> <laughs> 
What does it mean to have a voice in this generation? When you say this generation, you mean like Gen, was it Gen Z? I mean, because I'm a millennial, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I think, I mean, I think that what does it mean to have a voice in any generation? Like, mm-hmm. you gotta, you gotta stand for what's right mm-hmm. at all times, even when it's it's not popular, even when you know what I'm saying like you're all alone mm-hmm. and there's no one with you, right? I think we. <sighs> We tend to grow, we go go with the crowd, right? Mm, it's easier. It's, e- it's easier. It's uncomfortable to stand alone. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It is very uncomfortable to stand alone. And sometimes you got to stand alone. Sometimes a lot of, like, people are not going, you, when you are standing for what's right, uh, at least in this country, that often goes against, again, some, some people's interests, mm-hmm. their economic interests, their political interests. Right, their interests in power, right? So you gotta you you gotta be willing to stand for what's right, and and you gotta be willing to stand alone sometimes. And if you know that it's right, it's what's just, it's it's what's fair, it's what's rooted in truth, it's what's rooted in love. Then you 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 the truth is you're not standing alone because mm-hmm. you got the Creator with you. You know what I'm saying? And, and the ancestors are behind you. You know what I'm saying? So even even though it might feel like you alone, you're really not. Yeah. I, and I think that's what it means that to have a voice, to be willing to stand for what's right, and 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 also to be willing to do that with courage, and to be willing to do that sometimes alone. Um, and you know, people will follow. Mm-hmm. You know, it might not be everybody. And mm-hmm. It's reality, not for everybody. Everybody can't come. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like everybody can't come. You you. It's just that's just that's just the reality. It ain't for everybody. You know what I'm saying? Um, what, so some people are, you know, just going to be caught up in their own self-interest and, and they're not generally concerned with what's in the best interest of the greater community. Um, and you got to be willing to leave them be and continue to stand for what's right and, and speak on what's right and speak on what's just and what's fair and... And to fight for fight for 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 love, I think there exists a great deal of d- division and, and and like hatred in yeah. the world, right? Because we you got you got to stand for love, mm-hmm. and that's what and that's what it's all about. At the end of the day, it's all it's all about like for educators, right? This is a, this is you the work that we do. We do it because we we love children and we believe in the, the the potential of children the potential of the next generation we um we believe in their genius right especially black children and black children are geniuses they're mm-hmm. the most i got a, i got a two-year-old son and he's a genius this man is a dead little <laughs> child is a genius mm-hmm. he's a genius all right but all our children are geniuses right um we just we put them in a system that stomps that genius out or and not even stomps it out because it, it never goes away. It's still in there, but it makes it really, really difficult for them to find it. Yeah. Like they 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 have it. They start with it, and then we we crush it, mm-hmm. and then they some some of them never really find it again. You know what I'm saying? I, I, we being being a voice in this generation is to help the next generation, help them keep their genius. All right. Help them, help them keep their genius. Help them see their genius. Help them see um, who they are 
right? And you can't do that unless you find your own genius and find out who you are and really learn, know, and understand who you come from, where you come from. Because uh, we all, we come from geniuses, right? You go back, look at, go back and look at, look at, I, I take it, I started with Africa, I'm going to take it back, I'm going to end <laughs> with Africa, right? Because, you know what I'm saying? It, it all starts and ends with Africa, right? Look at Kemet. They built pyramids that we still can't figure out how they <laughs> built it because they were geniuses, mm-hmm. right? They mapped out the stars and, <laughs> and we're still trying to figure out how they did that. You know why? Because they were geniuses, mm-hmm. right? The richest man to ever walk the face of this earth it wasn't Jeff Bezos. It was a black man, Mansa Musa of the Mali Empire. Mm-hmm. Streets of gold, right? That's us. Like, that's who we are, right? And somewhere along the line, we forgot that, and we need to remember it, right? Yeah. We need to remember who we are and remember our genius. And when we do that, game over. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for um, this episode. I feel like the value that we got from this is just incredible. Um, if you guys enjoyed this episode, please remember to rate this podcast and also leave a comment because we do read your feedback. Um, if you're not following us already, make sure you follow us on Instagram at voiceofthegeneration.pod. Um, and we'll see you next Tuesday at 8 a.m.